WBUR Podcasts, Boston. Hey, producer, Megan Cattell. Hi, host Amory Sieverson. <laughs> hello. Hi. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm, I'm really happy to talk to you. Yeah, I'm happy to talk with you, too. So today, Amory, I'm here to talk with you all about oranges. So how, how did this all start? Oranges and yeah, you. How did th- <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, uh, you know, not a topic I usually think about a lot, but it started several months ago with a little nighttime scroll on Instagram, a little bedtime procrastination scroll. Uh, not sure if I should admit that on air. But, of course you should. Um, we all I do it. I was putting away... <laughs> Okay, that makes me feel a little better. I was I was supposed to be putting away my devices for the night, but I was just scrolling and uh, I saw a post from BuzzFeed's A-pop Instagram account. So this is a Instagram account where they post tidbits about uh, Asian and Asian diaspora culture. And there was a screenshot of a tweet posted by reality TV star and rapper Tim DeLaghetto. And that's not his real name. Okay. This is what he tweeted, and it was reposted on BuzzFeed APOP. So you know how orange is the name for the color and the fruit? And it's naranja in Spanish for the fruit and the color? Well, it's the same for Thai. Fruit and color are the same. Som, is it the same for every language? Who decided we were all going to do this? And my first reaction was, wait, wait, this guy has a point. I never thought about this, but it the word for the fruit and the color is the same in Mandarin, too. It's the same word. It's Changzi. And I was like, wait, I never thought about this before, how it's the same in Spanish, Chinese. And I was like, OK, this is this is a phenomenon, which I need to get to the bottom of. Can I share an early theory? And I'm, of course, very happy for you to prove me wrong uh, swiftly and decisively. But I don't know. My my kind of chicken egg theory is that the color came first Mm -hmm. and that we call that fruit orange because that was one of the first things in nature that humans found to be that vi- well, no, because then we wouldn't have known that that color exists. Okay, I'm already, <laughs> I'm already disproving my theory. You are onto something. You know, sometimes we name colors after objects if that color is is a bit more unique to nature. Like for example, turquoise, turquoise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the gemstone, and then the blue green color is also turquoise. So. Yeah, or lavender. Right, lavender is a good example. So there are other things in nature where it's something a bit more unique. So we name that object first, and we name the color from that object. But before we get to, you know, the reason why orange is the name for the fruit and the color, because there is a reason, I also just wanted to share with you how I was, Amory, I was just DMing this post like crazy to all of my friends who speak a different language just to see, Mm. is it the same word? Like, I just wanted to, I just wanted to double check and hear from them. So this is what some of them had to say. My name is Yeji. I grew up between Korea and Canada and now live in New York. And I think a lot of Koreans might say, 
just the word orange, orange, to refer to both the color as well as the fruit, but actually the word for the color in Korean is chuangsek, and the word for fruit is just orange. Hi, my name is Nazia. I grew up in Queens, speaking both Bengali and English at home. Today, I'm here to tell you that the word for orange, both the color and the fruit, is the same in Bangla. And the way to say it is komola. So that's komola, which means both the fruit and the color. And it's funny because it sort of reminds me of um, the name Kamala, which, as you know, is the name of the vice president. But it's komola, not Kamala, which is funny. This is my friend Fatma, who I met in grad school and is originally from Cairo, Egypt. In Arabic, the fruit is spelled borto'an. And the color is spelled or pronounced Burtoani. So again, the fruit is pronounced Burtoan. The color is pronounced Burtoani. And the only difference is that there is another letter added to the color. And I think the purpose of it is just to differentiate between the fruit and the color, even though they're the same word. Wow. This, so this really is a phenomenon. Yes, this is. And lastly, uh, there was another person in my neighborhood I just had to talk to. He's a friend. He's actually my fiance's best friend, but he's my friend and ex-neighbor from New York. My full name is Bhaskar Ghosh. I am 34 years old. Uh, I am a software engineer and I am from India. Okay, but where in India? Varanasi, India. And like, what is the... Because there are many languages in India, so what language... Do you speak, like, mostly? Uh, so my mother tongue is Bengali, but uh, I grew up in a province which where people mostly speak Hindi. Okay. So in your hometown, when you want to buy an orange to eat, what, what do you call the fruit? Santara. And then what about the color orange? That's Narangi. 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 Okay. Okay, so that's like the one language I've encountered where it's like different. You know, after talking to Baskar, I had to do some real research. Like, why Hindi, the words are different. But then for a lot of other languages around the world, it's the same word, orange. So oranges come from China, and they also come from India. So it's native habitat is from India. And in this 2012 article from Mental Floss that I found, it's called What Came First, The Color Orange of the Fruit. They said that orange culture spread from India and the East Coast of Africa throughout the Eastern Mediterranean region, through Roman conquest, the development of Arab trade routes, and the expansion of Islam contributed significantly to this dispersal. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, so the word naranji that Bhaskar said in Hindi, that came from Sanskrit, naranja. So from Sanskrit to Hindi, you see that kind of direct correlation. But then the trajectory includes the Persian naranj, the Arabic naranj, 
and then regional Italian examples like naranja and naranz, and then you get into Spanish naranja, mm-hmm. and then into French naranja, and then naranja to English orange. So it spread from there. Okay, so why did the term for the fruit spread, but not the other term for the color? Well, I tried to piece this together with also some linguistic research. So not just like fruit, (laughs) citrus (laughs) research and trade research, but trying to see the development of English like throughout the centuries. Uh So I learned from other sources like this website called LitHub that back in a play by Chaucer in the 1390s, a fox's color was described as betwixt yellow and red. So there was no... So it was common... <laughs> yep, this is this is for real. <laughs> um, before uh, the 16th and 15th centuries, it was common for a lot of languages around the world, English included, to describe orange as just a yellow-red or a gold-red. There was no color for that perfect combo of 50% yellow, 50% red mixed together. Okay. Um, So as those trade routes were developing from India throughout the Middle East, and they extended into the rest of Europe, and oranges were coming more and more common, that's when we just said, hey, we're going to call this color orange. Like, it's not just yellow-red, it's not betwixt yellow and red anymore. It's going to be called orange. And is there, like, an etymological significance behind that word, orange? Like, Yeah, actually, the original meaning of the word naranja in Sanskrit, way back when, before oranges were introduced, that word meant perfumed or fragrant. And I guess as the oranges came in from China, the fruit smelled so good that they wanted to call this new fruit naranja. And then as the fruit spread from India and to the rest of Europe— Naranja became naranja in Spanish, and the word perfume like lost its meaning, um, and it just became associated with the name of the fruit. And by the time oranges got to France, they were called la orange. That's where you can kind of hear that connection between, you know, the the transformation of the word and how it came to be in English, like la orange, orange. The, you know what I mean? Oh, oh, so do you oh, hear what yeah. I'm saying? Like yeah, you hear the connection orange. to the naranja, naranji. Orange. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. So that, okay, this is coming together beautifully yeah. in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Naranja or naranji. It was naranji, yes, in, in Hindi or something. Yeah, naranji. Naranji. Yeah. And if you say that a certain way, it's like naranja. Orange. (laughs) Exactly. You hear that separation, right? And in fact, like we talked about earlier, there's a lot of different specific shades. A lot of languages don't have specific uh, words for colors like magenta or chartreuse or turquoise. turquoise. (laughs) Uh, It just kind of spread because there are so few things in nature that have that specific shade and perfect combo of yellow and red. Mm -hmm. So like in English, they just adopted it and said, okay, we're going to call that color orange after the fruit. A lot of other countries follow suit and I guess did the same. Well, Megan, this was 
fascinating. And I'm now craving a, uh, what was the term? Betwixt of red and yellow? (laughs) (laughs) A a fox is for betwixt yellow and red. The juice of uh, a betwixt of yellow and red fruit. So I'm going to go do that and let's take a little break. And then when we come back, I have a story for you about the origin of language. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. Okay, we're back. And Megan, I have another language-related story for you. Um, But this one has to do with a particular term that people think has been around forever. And it turns out maybe it was not. Because nothing has really been around forever. But this really shocked people, including a listener named Amanda Everlove, which is an amazing name, (laughs) Amanda. (laughs) Amanda wrote to us recently, and she said, I came across this tweet this morning and immediately had my mind blown. The tweet reads, No one believes me that the bucket list, as a term, was not in common usage before that movie came out, but I swear to God it's true. Huh. Megan, are you familiar with this term, bucket list? I believe so. Was she talking about that that movie back about 10 years ago? What movie was this? Okay, so this was 15, 16 years ago now. Um, it was a movie called The Bucket List. Uh, came out in 2007. It was directed by Rob Reiner. And it stars Morgan Freeman mm-hmm. and Jack Nicholson. Ah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're two guys who meet when they have to share a hospital room. And they find out that they both have terminal lung cancer. Mm. And then they proceed to go 
you know, skydiving together. They ride a motorcycle on the Great Wall of China. They go to the Taj Mahal and Mount Everest, and they go on a safari and so forth and so forth. Um, and so this tweet, who was written by someone named Kath Barbadoro, yes, Kath Barbadoro, another great name, uh, tips a hat to this movie as being the origin. And Amanda Everlove writes... How did a concept so ubiquitous start with a movie that no one has ever even seen? Have you seen this movie? I'm guessing not because... (laughs) No, I have not seen it, but I just remember... um, I remember seeing the advertisements on TV and and online. So it was... Because, you know, Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson, I mean, these are legendary actors. Exactly. But I never saw it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't like a highly acclaimed film, but... As you have hinted at, it was everywhere. It was highly promoted, superstar yep. power in it. You yep. probably saw a trailer for it. Um, Amanda goes on in her email to us, How do I not remember first learning about the concept and instead feel like I've known it my entire life, even though that's demonstrably untrue? Help. Mm. So, <laughs> mm. step one. I looked into this tweet from Kath Barbadoro and that really only got me so far because this Twitter account no longer exists. So this person potentially nopes out of Twitter, but you can still see the replies to this tweet. And the replies talk quite a bit about the trailer for the movie, in which Morgan Freeman's character spells out the concept of the bucket list, as if this is a brand new concept that no one would have been familiar with before. My freshman philosopher professor assigned this exercise and called it a bucket list. We were supposed to make a list of all the things we wanted to do in our lives before we kicked the bucket. Cutesy. So this movie, The Bucket List, was written by a screenwriter named Justin Zackham. Hmm. And it was inspired by his very own, what he called, list of things to do before I kick the bucket. Which he later shortened to Justin's Bucket List. Much tidier. Um, Megan, do you want to guess what the first item on Justin's bucket list was? Um, go skydiving? Yes, fair. Good guess. Um, in his case, as a screenwriter, it was to have a movie made by a major Hollywood studio. <laughs> oh, whoa, meta. Right? And that happens. So, the term has been around for... At least 16 years, because that's when the movie came out, 2007. Mm -hmm. Um, And although that's not as long as most people would have thought, it's gotten a lot of play during that time and, and across a wide swath of the culture, including politics. President Obama memorably used the term at the 2015 White House Correspondents' Dinner. After the midterm elections, my advisors asked me, Mr. President, do you have a bucket list? And I said, well, I have something that rhymes with bucket list. (laughs) You know, one kind of theory is just that it's had a great 16 years. Like, it's just, it's it's really spread uh, across the culture and infiltrated, you know, politics and music and, and every other kind of corner of culture. Yeah, I feel like every time I go on Instagram or TikTok, I get those bucket list destinations that you should go to in Japan or, you know. That's such a great point that like from a marketing standpoint, bucket list was like a jackpot. Mm -hmm. That of course, yeah, you've been wanting to take this trip. 
Who knows, you could drop dead, any one of us could drop dead any second. You better take this trip right now while you're thinking of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ben Zimmer, who's a, a pretty well-known and respected linguist and lexicographer, wrote a piece about the phrase's origins for the Wall Street Journal back in 2015. And he did confirm the origins mm. of the term, that it was this screenwriter who developed this list of things he wanted to do before he kicked the bucket, turns it into a movie, and now all of a sudden we think we've known this phrase forever. Um, and Miriam Webster has this online feature called Time Traveler, which another person in the Twitter thread linked wow. to. Yeah. And so this, this marks the first time that particular words or phrases were used in print. And according to Merriam-Webster's Time Traveler, Bucket List was first used in print in 2006. So probably in promotional materials for the movie, The Bucket List. Um, Although someone else in that Twitter thread also cited the screenplay as having been written back in 1999. So it might even be even older than that. But still, it goes back to this screenplay. I should note that other people in this Twitter thread, they're saying things like, you know, no way. My uncle had a bucket list long before this movie came out. So I have some theories here. Hmm. Maybe this person's uncle and many other folks did have lists of things that they wanted to do before they died. Mm-hmm. That's not a that's not a crazy concept that you might write down a list of goals as as uh, wild and adventurous as they may be. But did they call those lists bucket lists? Or are they misremembering calling them bucket lists because the term now, as we've said, has gotten so popular and they're just applying that term retroactively to this list of things that they wanted to do before they died? Maybe this is just another example of the Mandela effect at play here. Um, It's also possible that just the idea of life lists or goals is so powerful that we're conflating our familiarity with that concept and with the idea of a bucket list with the idea of calling it a bucket list. And I should also say that it is possible that someone before screenwriter Justin Zackham really did call their list of things to do before they kicked the bucket a bucket list. But maybe they just didn't write a screenplay about it. Just it just didn't catch you know? they, on to mainstream culture yet. Like it didn't catch Yeah, on. or they weren't even trying to make it catch on to mainstream culture because it was just like a, an inside joke with their family mm-hmm. or something, you know? It's like, it's like someone else in the Twitter thread compared this to fetch, you know? Like they, wow, this guy really did make fetch happen. <laughs> um, and, you know, we're not always trying to make fetch happen. Sometimes we just call something what we want to call it And we don't realize that someone else has, like, put it out there until there's a a Twitter thread that gets everyone up in arms about the origin of that term. So at this point in time, there is no proof that the term was documented as having existed before the screenplay Mm. for the bucket list. But what's less certain is the origin of the phrase that inspired the term bucket list, that phrase being... Kick, kick the kick bucket. The bucket. Yeah. 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 So, Anatoly Lieberman, he's an etymologist for Oxford University's blog. He has declared the origin of kick the bucket officially unknown. But its first use in print, in which it meant to die, was in something called the Dictionary of the Vulgar Tongue. 
that was published in 1785. Whoa. It sounds like a fun read, I gotta (laughs) say. (laughs) Sounds not safe for work. Um. Right. And I'll also just say, if this episode inspires you to make your own bucket list, I want to offer some additional inspiration from my friend Kieran, Mm -hmm. who made Megan what is my all-time favorite bucket list. It has some of the more common things that you would expect on a bucket list, like, um, and commonplace for that matter. Some of them are like, get married. You know, he wanted to make sure that he got married before he died or run a marathon. But it also has some very fun things and more unexpected things. Like one of them is to say, quick, follow that car and mean it. (laughs) And he has a rule for himself that he can never remove anything from this list. Even if he knows there are things on there that he will never do and that he doesn't want to do anymore... He has to keep it on the list. So it's almost turned into kind of like like a diary for him, documenting the the things that that he at one point in time wanted to do that he can look back on and and see how he has changed as a person over the years. Um, So I really love that. I, I think, you know, by all means, make a bucket list. You don't have to stick to it. Maybe just use it as a way to kind of Um, see how you're changing as a person. What I kind of learned from this is that, you know, from the bucket list story, there is a very specific point in time that we can trace back to this term being popularized and being added to the dictionary from from mm-hmm. this movie. Um, it's also just a, you know, the orange story was a good reminder for me that language is intentional. There's a reason for, it's not just a random jumble of vowels and consonants. Like language is full of history and language is also full of like stories of our past. Like um, how the term spread over so many different countries over so many different years. And you just forget that, wow, back in the day, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, oranges were once only available in Asia. The Western world did not have access to them. And just in these past few hundred years, that has changed. So yeah, these stories, both with bucket list and orange, it's just a nice reminder that, you know, there are, there are reasons and, uh, you know, good reasons why we say the things that we do, whether it's a Hollywood movie or ancient trade routes. Do you have any um, bucket list items yourself? Other than make an episode about oranges, <laughs> which uh, you can cross bucket- right off. Um, I would like to operate a sailboat and maybe not do a super I don't I don't think um I have the skill to go very very far on my own in a sailboat but I would like to go and sail from like one island to another that would be really cool. Mm. I will say one from my friend Kieran's bucket list item which I think ties back to the orange story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is to eat for a day entirely from food I farmed. 
Nice. Putting that on my bucket list. Grow an orange and eat it. Endless Thread is a production of WBUR in Boston. This episode was produced and hosted by Megan Cattell and me, Amorangi Sievertson. <laughs> Mix and sound design by Emily Jankowski. Hey, want to tell us about something very specific or maybe a little offbeat, surprising, exciting on your bucket list? Send us a voice memo or a non-voice memo to endlessthread at wbur.org. Or you can always hit us up on Reddit, endlessthread.reddit.com, or on Twitter, we're at endless underscore thread. We'll talk to you next week. No kick in the bucket on us, all right? Just keep eating those naranjis. Okay, bye. Bye.